Hello and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim El-Wakil, co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylogue team. So today we're going to talk about Doctor Strange. Yes, Shazam, not Shazam. No, that's, no. And also they can't see me do the hand I know, I was going to do the hand signals and thought, what should I do instead? <laughs> uh, I should say Shazam, which is the wrong word. <laughs> we saw it yesterday and I have been doing all the hand gestures since then. <laughs> like every time I want to go somewhere, I do the sling ring portal thing. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It um, is fun. But that won't stop me from telling you why it was wrong. Uh, no, it was fun. Welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> Go for it. Um, Do your admin. Admin. Two-part admin today. <gasps> Part one. Uh, get in touch with through Twitter, um, at Basim's Story, um, and at Lucius Malcolm. Uh, or get in touch through the website, which is thestorytoolkit.wordpress.com, and you can listen to all the episodes through there and subscribe through iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, part two. Wait, what was the part two? Oh, yeah. Spoilers. Don't listen any further if you haven't seen Doctor Strange and you don't want the movie spoiled because we will be going through it in yeah. detail. We are presuming you've seen it. Yes. Uh, I know some people like to watch this before they see the film, see if it's worth their time seeing the film or whatever. If that's the case, I think it was fun and you'll probably enjoy it. Yeah, so stop here. If you want. Go. <laughs> yeah. If you're just checking whether it's worth seeing the movie, yes, it's worth seeing the movie. It's good. Yeah, go enjoy it. If you want to... But I don't. I mean, it's your choice. I can't stop you from listening to the podcast if you haven't no. seen it. I'm just saying, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to tell you how Doctor Strange. I was going to spoil something there as a joke, and I thought actually they might still be listening, and they might get annoyed. I'm going to spoil it, right? There's, okay. there's no. We're not going to hold anything back, right? That's your last chance. If you're carrying on listening, you're going to get spoiled. Okay, Doctor Strange wins by using the time gem. I told you. Right now, let's get into it. <laughs> I, I'm seriously, there's no, we're done. I've done the spoiler warning. The spoiler warning is longer than most of our podcasts. Enough. Uh, doubt. Doubt? Most of our podcasts are an hour. So this has been going on for at least an hour. It has? Oh, maybe that's because we're stuck in a time loop. That's how he beats Dormammu. Now. <laughs> <laughs> right, so. I'm just saying, right, we're done. It's how, how oblivious I am as an audience member sometimes when I really get lost in a movie I didn't even realise it was the time gem until after he beats him and says oh by the way this is the time gem yeah. Thanos is coming yeah that was, uh, that was pretty cool um, okay so we're going to talk about Doctor Strange so it was a lot of fun Yeah, we both really liked it I liked it more than you did yes but I did enjoy it a lot it, yeah. was, it had loads of fun scenes um, and lots of fun moments uh, Wigwam Quantum Cat is very good as Doctor Strange um, <laughs> that's not even close to his name I think but yet you knew who I was talking about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I'm, I'm okay with this uh, Bandicoot Grubbly Cake <laughs> yes there were a couple of casting things, as an aside, that I kind of love because of, you know, the way I play the IMDb game of, like, linking everything together, right? So, you've got Benedict Cumberbatch playing yeah. Doctor Strange and a guy called Benedict Wong playing Wong. Yeah. And I, there's just a part of me that's like, there's two Benedicts. <laughs> and one of them is called Wong. It just feels like there's something really sort of bizarre about this. That can't like did they did they I thought, hire? I thought you were going to say there's something really wrong about it. No, it's just weird. You could say it's strange. The other thing is uh, Rachel McAdams plays Cumberbatch's love interest in the film. 
and she plays Irene Adler in Robert Downey Jr.'s Sherlock films, and of course Cumberbatch's Sherlock. So she plays the love interest to every Sherlock. It's just a strange thing. By the way, this is all... The people that tuned out because of spoilers, this is all they're missing. This is the entire podcast. It's bass on some IMDB time loop. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, right, that was a good five minutes we've spent now. Yeah. Let's get into this properly. Let's get into it. Okay. So, uh, as fun as it was, uh, I left feeling that there was something lacking. And I was trying to think of what we could do a podcast about because we don't generally just do reviews. And it's more technical than that. And so I was trying to think, you know, what we could talk about. And I was trying to crack what I felt was wrong about it. And I realized that... There's two things, aren't there? There are two, but we're going to split them up. Yes, potentially. Well, we were going to see how it goes. So there might be a part two. I feel like we we should do a do-over to this. (laughs) Right? Like I actually kind of think we might should. Maybe we should. No, continue now. Okay, fine. Fine. Maybe I'll... Okay, fine. So, um, there's sort of uh, two things that I thought were a problem. We'll go through one, and then we'll we'll talk about the other one as well. But um, the, it it just was it was lacking something. Um, and the few the what I'm going to suggest had, what, well, what I'm going to suggest is before if you haven't already, we did two podcasts on this subject already. We did a podcast on Columbo and a podcast on Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. And they were both about character and dimen- uh, character dimensions and the storyline. And how in Columbo... Um, so, yeah, if, if you haven't seen the film, I've spoiled it for you now. But um, if you want to go back and watch those po- listen to those podcasts before you listen to this, that might help. Um, but um, the, uh, the Columbo podcast was making the point that one of the things that's such a joy about Columbo is that the story, the events of the story, the plot of the story, and the character's dimensions, that is the contradictions within the character, are so interwoven that they create a very unique, wonderful story. And the problem with Man of Steel is that the character had no dimensions, and so the story kind of doesn't work, because you can't generate empathy with the character, and the events don't really do anything for the character. And you're... When we came out of Strange, your 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 first thought was other than okay, that was fun. You turned to me and and said something like that felt like a collection of scenes, like yes. really fun scenes. Yes, yeah, and that's because what Strange this problem with Strange is that um, the 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 big problem with Strange is that the character has dimensions, but they are not linked to the plot. They're, they're separate. And so as a result, what you end up with is a story that has lots of lovely scenes, but the the plot sprawls, and there's a lot of exposition. And you end up with story events that could really have come from any character. There's, there's nothing about it that makes it Doctor Strange. Yeah, I like this idea that you could remove Doctor Strange from the movie, put in any other character that learns magic, and it would be yeah. fine. You could replace him with Neo. Yeah. And it really wouldn't be a problem. Um, because his dimensions are there, but they're not expressed through the story. They're expressed through character dialogue. Yeah. And that's a problem. Excellent character dialogue. Yeah, the characters are great. The actors are really wonderful. I mean, it's got an incredible cast. See, this is the thing. So, like, 
you came out and said look, that that this was an issue for me, and yeah. and you've and you've worked out why. But you can watch that movie, and and this would never occur to you because everything else is so polished and yeah. it is so fun. Probably didn't occur to the people writing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you you would imagine it yeah. didn't. No. But just for, for reference, I know we talked about Marvel movies before. This is for listeners. But generally between us, we consider the top two Marvel uh, movies. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Iron Man 3 yeah. are yeah. the best. by far. Um, and then below that, you have Thor. And Strange. And now Doctor Strange. Yeah. And um, then the rest. As the almost excellent, but yeah. just very, very good. Uh, and then the rest of the movies are I, you all... You could maybe add the first Iron Man into that group. Um, enjoy. Or the Incredible Hulk, maybe. Because they're not... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Not, so. But, yeah, there's there's a clear... Uh, yeah, I think there's, there's, I, there's I, three tiers. And there's clearly only two in the best tier. There's two in the next tier. And then there's like... A... Well, initially <laughs> I came out and said, I think this is better than Iron Man 3. Yeah. Um, I don't think it is. No, but it doesn't don't. matter. But no, it doesn't. The, the point is, it's so much better than than yeah, all the, the other. It, it, it's so much more polished, and the dia- the yeah. dialogue, although they are giving you the dimensions of um, yeah, the, you know, these dimensions are handed to you rather than, and I like the phrase you used, expressed through story. Yeah, the, yeah. Um, but it is done so well because um, Tilda Swinton is fantastic. Yes, is the ancient one. She is. Uh, I can never say his name properly. No. Tweetel Ijafor is excellent as Mordo. Yeah, Mads Mikkelsen. Right. So Mads Mikkelsen. Here's the problem with Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> if you've seen Hannibal, which we need to do a podcast on one time, because I love Hannibal. If you've seen Hannibal, you will never believe anyone can beat Mads Mikkelsen. He will just eat them. I don't buy Doctor Strange can beat Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> I don't believe Dormammu. Can beat Batman or Thanos. Up, have you not brought up the fact that this is Sherlock versus Hannibal? Oh my! <laughs> yeah, blow my mind. I I watched Casino Royale after I saw Hannibal, and I'm like, "There's no way James Bond wins." <laughs> like, Hannibal just—he terrifies me. He's in Rogue One. He's in the trailers for Rogue One, and I'm just like, "He's scarier than a Death Star." <laughs> he's just—he's. I love Mads Mikkelsen. He's so great. Um, He's really wonderful. He's the ultimate weapon. He's the ultimate. The rogues stole the plans for Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, that's that's what they've done. <laughs> We've analysed their defences, and they're impenetrable because it's Mads Mikkelsen. He's gonna eat us. He's just great. Um, so he's he's so good. Um, Benedict Wong is great as well. Yes. Um, the cloak of levitation gives the best performance in the film. It really does. <laughs> Just so good. So much kudos to the animators. Of I the love cloak. the cloak of levitation. Rachel McAdams is ridiculous as always. I, lo- I she's great, but she's getting more and more beautiful every time I see her. I don't know how she does that. Like she, people are supposed to age in one direction. Tilda Swinton has stopped aging. Yes, she has. She stopped. That's it. That's because done. she is the ancient. ancient she one. is the ancient one. It's yeah. just freaky how good. Anyway. She doesn't look like a person. If someone said that's an alien, you'd believe it. <laughs> she's just weird. I don't understand where she's from anymore. She's great. If Tilda Swinton did li- listen to the podcast, she doesn't anymore. Why would she be offended by this? She's She makes her choices based on the <laughs> fact that you... Like, her most reasonable, most normal role was Michael Clayton. Oh, God, yeah, she was a Michael Clayton. Yeah. Uh, that was what uh, made her the big star, and since then she's gone. Can I play something weirder than the time before, please? And so, <laughs> are, are you a wicked witch from a fairy tale? Is that what this is? 
She could be. She is. She's in um, Chronicles of Narnia. There we go. Okay. And scene. Right, back to dimensions. This is the worst. We're talking about sprawling films. Yeah, this podcast is beginning to sprawl. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> I hope there's some entertainment value in this. I don't know anymore. Nonsense. I don't know. Back to dimensions. We can save this. It's fine. Okay, so the dimensions. So Doctor Strange has three dimensions, which should be quite high. But as I say, they're not really expressed in the story, and so you don't really feel them fully. But so, there are three. Do you want to go through them? Yes. He is an atheist wizard. <laughs> which is a great dimension he's like I don't believe in chakras or you know energy or any of that stuff oh I've got magic powers right like that's that's the character okay that's like that's funny that's great um, you sound even more like House than than uh, Doctor Strange did I did audition for Doctor House okay I didn't Atheist Wizard got yeah. it uh, the other thing is that he is selfish uh, uh, he's a selfish hero so he's heroic on the one hand he's wanting to save uh, people's lives and that's sacrifice his, um, himself that's his uh, crisis isn't it yeah that's typically the crisis for a hero is self versus others yeah. but um, he's also selfish he's, he cares about his hands I just want to rescue my hands all that kind of stuff so he's, he's, he's selfish and then uh, and, Bo- and Mordo really lays into him for his selfishness there's a scene yeah. where he just lays into him um, and then finally his last one is that he's arrogant but he's also filled with self-doubt. And everyone keeps calling him arrogant, how arrogant he is. And Cumberbatch plays him as somewhat haughty. Um, and um, there is a bit where the Ancient One tells him what holds you back is your fear of failure. Um, and so that's his other dimension. So he has three. Okay. The problem is, as I just pointed out, the way you know he has these dimensions is because someone in the cast tells him you don't really see it. So, well, uh, yeah, you don't. Um, so, so, for example, in the comics, origi- what happens in the comics is strange. Before he has the car crash, he refuses to help somebody because they can't, they, they can't pay. In this, he doesn't do that. In this, as he's driving, he's been given people he can see and he just he refuses them for one reason or the other. Can't, can't mess up my perfect record, can't do this. Um, it's, the, that's when, more, it's the arrogance and yeah the, uh, and when he sees Pangborn uh, Pangborn says you know I wanted to you know get into a, I wanted you to do surgery with me but you wouldn't and he and he, your sister wouldn't let me see you and he's like you're incurable I couldn't do anything yeah that would ruin your perfect record so there's this sense of like he has done so Pangborn that. the the guy that had learned I never caught his name um, yeah, he's the basketball guy. Yeah, yeah. Benjamin so Brown. in terms of the story, he's uh, a guy that learnt to become a wizard, yes. but then just used the power to cure his his, his legs, yeah. his legs, and then quit. So he, that's right. He was the the selfish. Yeah, and he he has the a, same crisis. Yeah, and he has a go at Strange for not seeing him. So yeah. there is this sense that Strange is was a not great doctor, but we never see it. Uh, we're told about it. And we see the effects of it, but we're never actually shown that dimension. Which uh, sorry, which one? The fact that he's selfish. Oh, so I was going to say if we can go through these um, yeah. in so, a bit more detail. Well, yeah. So, uh, do you want to start with selfish hero as we're there already? Well, I mean, I'm, I, don't, I don't see the need to go into them any in any more detail. Like the, uh, it's more about point was, how was just, we. It's more. I tell you why I would like to. Um, yeah. Uh, because when we went through these, um, and you said these are the dimensions. Yeah. Um, I've seen the movie, so I get the sense they are the dimensions. But like, how if they're not expressed through story, 
um, how do you actually know their dimensions? Oh, okay, because people tell you, right? Yeah. So at the beginning of the film, uh, and also Pangborn, so Pangborn, uh, Palmer, Chris, uh, Rachel McAdams character, that they say you're arrogant. Other people call him arrogant. People are constantly calling him arrogant. Um, but you never, he never, he never does anything arrogant. The way he drives. The way he drives <laughs> is reckless. Yes. Okay. Mm. Um, and he, you get the sense that he cares a lot about his perfect record and showing off, which he does. Yeah. But he's a bit of a show, show off and things like that. But he never. What I'm saying is, these are traits that he has, which are fine. But that nothing in the story is built around this. Yeah. He never makes a choice as an arrogant person. He. Do you see what I mean? How do you know he's arrogant? If you took out the dialogue that said he's arrogant, would you think he was arrogant? Uh, from the stuff in his apartment and his car choice, yeah. You'd say you think he was and arrogant. Flash. You'd um, say he's I flash, would. Say, I right? would put arrogance in this. I. I would. You would definitely say he wasn't I'd humble. Together, right? Yeah, yeah. Proud, you might say. No, yeah. I don't think that's pride. No, but it, there's an element to it, right? Yeah. But it's not particularly realised. It's just no. a bit. No, there, no, no, right? no, it's not. But they keep telling you how arrogant he is. Uh, I mean, there's something there, obviously, because this is the difference. When I say with Man of Steel, he has no dimensions. Yeah. They're not there at all. Yeah. There's nothing there. This, they, they are there, they're just not linked to the story. So there's um, a scene, for example, the scene where he uh, meets um, the Ancient One for the first time. That's his atheism and his wizardry, right? Yeah. Both are being played out. After that, what happens? He's just a wizard. Yeah. Before that, was his atheism really a part of the story? No. No. The only time he's willing to try anything. The only time you, uh, the only time I got the atheism when he first meets the, the ancient, ancient one. one. That one scene. Yeah, that one scene but where she shows him the chakras and the yeah. stuff, and, and he he just poo poos it all. Yeah, he's like, I've seen all these things before. Yeah. There is no spirit. We're just matter. Right, so he—that's that's the one scene where that dimension plays out. Yeah, that's it. So you see that one, the selfless, selfish, selfish hero thing. Um, Mordo psychoanalyzes Strange, and in one scene says, "You've done everything for yourself. This is all for you, all for that." But really, we hadn't—we know he's Doctor Strange. We know what he's doing. We we. He doesn't do anything selfish. Like when um, he fights to protect, save himself, that's well, not choice... selfish. He stands up for the guy in the sanctum. Remember, which guy? The the guy who who is the master of the sanctum that Cassilius and his men kill. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Of he course. stands up for him before Mordor says anything. So he's not really selfish. He doesn't do anything selfish. Really, the way he conducts his business as a doctor comes across as yeah so there's again there's these little elements in the way that the character is played but the events of the story so what if he's selfish how do the events of the story bring out his selfishness they don't oh no they yeah how do the events of the story bring out his heroism they don't how do the events of the story bring out his atheism or his wizardry or his arrogance or his self-doubt they don't they don't bring those things out he happens to have those things people say you have those things it's it written in the dialogue written in the subtext and then that's it. And then it never comes out. But the story is, yeah, he learns magic. He it's fights the my... bad guy, rewrites time, defeats the other bad guy, and that's it. And it's like, yeah. and the story, see, here's the thing. The character, really cool. Really well acted. We like him. Yeah. The story is really cool. Yeah. We like it. It's a cool story. It's fun. It's simple. It's really clear. 
It's ob- everything's obvious and like really nicely done. It's a lot of fun. There's nothing wrong with either side. It's just that the story isn't Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange isn't the story. Like they're not they're not really linked. Side note: Were the sling rings um, yes uh, part of the comic? I I don't think so because they're very cool. I like them. Yeah, I was. It just occurred to me when you're saying you know this, they might this bit be. is very cool. It's well done. They might be. I don't know. Sling ring is what I thought of because I yeah, yeah I think they they're they're really nice. Um, okay, yeah. So back on. Yeah. So to to maybe illustrate this point a bit better, like what we could do. So I can sh- express how this dimension could be related to the story. To the existing story. Yeah, instead of making up a new one so much. So let's take, for example, the um, atheist wizard story. Yeah. So one of the things that I really liked about that scene was he goes to see the ancient one. She gives him tea. He drinks the tea. And then she does this thing where she makes his astral form come out of his body. Yes. And he goes, what did you put in the tea? Right? And I thought that's great because the, the thing is, if you, you know, I, I like to read a lot of theology and things. The truth is, when it comes to evidences for supernatural things, it's basically down to your own preference. There's evidence both ways, it's just how much you weigh one side or versus the other. And what you find is really staunch skeptics, no amount of evidence will convince them because they will always rationalize it away. Similarly, people who are very, very Um, on the other side of the spectrum uh, will see signs in everything constantly all the time everything's a constant sign filled with incredible meaning all the time right so you have these sort of two sort of extremes right and skeptics will rationalize everything and I know this because I'm very skeptical about supernatural things right I remember watching the man who stares at goats (laughs) okay oh yeah yeah watching this film there's a scene in the film where George Clooney is supposed to be, you're not sure if he's a psychic or not, and he's given a psychic test and he passes the test. And the test is, there's a series of drawers, one of the drawers has a photo in it, he has to know what the photo looks like, what's what the photo is of, so he has to know which drawer it's in and what the photo is. And he does it. And I sat there, as the film was playing, trying to work out how he did the trick. <laughs> and I was coming up with all these possible scenarios for how he could have pulled... The uh, how he could have worked, how he could have seen the photo beforehand or whatever, and because I do this with magicians, right? Like I always want to work out what the trick is that a magician has done, and then I stopped and went, "That's it's a film. <laughs> he can be a psychic." Okay, I'm like, ah. So you you, you if you're skeptical, really skeptical, you will rationalize it. The idea that the only reason someone like Richard Dawkins is such a staunch atheist is because there isn't enough evidence is total nonsense. The reason he's an atheist is because he's dogmatic and whatever so he, he's got nothing to do with evidence or anything like that so for me th- I, what I would have loved to see was Strange tr- constantly rationalising what he's experiencing and the tea is perfect because I, I think it would have been great if he had said you know it's the tea what did you put in the tea and she goes you think it's the tea and he's like it's the tea the tea, you put something in the tea, LSD, whatever, I get it. You're trying to trick me. There's no way I'm going to fall for that. I'm done. And he storms out, whatever. And she can even do the other one, the crazy one, where you know he goes through all those dimensions. He's like, I don't know what that is, peyote. It doesn't matter. 
this is a sham. I wasted all my money getting here. You're, you're a horrible person. Chakra is not. And he just storms out and she's like, okay, fine. You know, another disbeliever, whatever. It doesn't matter. And then you can have him sitting there in Kathmandu, you know, wondering what he's going to do next, trying to call somebody. And he, you have him sort of like, say he's talking to someone, one of his associates, because he has a couple of people that are his friends that helped him you know, we're helping him trying to get his hands working. So, like, they're rich people. It's like he's calling them for money to get him home, right? And they're like, you know, you didn't find anything? I, was like, I, I fell for it. I went to Kathmandu and I fell for that stupid nonsense trick. It's ridiculous. And they're like, oh, yeah, I remember. It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, you remember, remember that time I was on CNN? And, like, you can even have, like, a flashback to him on, like, CNN or something because he's supposed to be a famous doctor, right? Yeah. And him, someone says to him, you know, uh, it's like why, why you know what you're outspoken atheist why are you it's like because there's no evidence for it and all that stuff and then like, what evidence would it take to convince you and he goes look if there was evidence I'd believe it and you have the flashback to him and he's like I gotta go and he hangs up the phone and he goes back and then you have the scene where he's banging on the door let me in let me in let yeah. me in for hours and they're like he, why is he back he didn't believe it and they let him in he's like I think I I think I need to know. I need to know that look. The tea's got to be out of my system. Do it again. And she's and then the Asian one goes no. And he goes why not? It's like I'm not your. I'm not a genie. I'm not a trick. I'm not going to bow to you. You want to learn? You have to accept it beforehand. He's like, but why don't you just show me? It's like I did show you. You didn't believe me. You'll rationalize it another way. You're deprived of food. You're malnourished. Whatever. Take your pick. You have to believe before I'll show you this time. And then now what you have is you have a situation where she's giving him small bits of information. Little, she lets him in, but she doesn't show him the mystic arts or anything. Yeah. Little tiny bits. And he has to overcome that sense, that desire to rationalize everything. So he constantly, he's like, he has to fight his the own nature. The important difference here, um, uh, if at this point you haven't seen the movie, yeah. um, I guess people might be... Anyway, okay. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, is that in that scene, um, the ancient one is the one that throws him out. Yes. She shows him the di- the other dimensions and the astral form and everything. Yeah, and she gives go- him all this proof. And he goes, teach me. Yeah. And she says, no, and kicks him out. Yes. And then he kind of waits around outside the door for yeah. hours and hours and hours, and eventually they let him back in. Yeah. Um, so it's not come through, it's important, it's not come through his choice in his no. dimension it's not expressed through no. the, the, the film basically goes he sees these these extra dimensions and immediately buys it and yeah. I was thinking no he wouldn't the tea thing is really believable this guy's really arrogant remember yeah. so the idea that he thinks he knows better and so it means a lot for him to prostrate himself so th- th- that's the other thing when she says no I'm not going to bend to you you have to bend to me then I'll show you the secrets. Yeah. Because you didn't believe me the first time. So now he has to stop being arrogant. His arrogance and his atheism are combined. So every time she teaches him something like the portal thing, he's like, so how does it work? Is it like a wormhole? <laughs> you know, there's a scene where she says, we cast spells, but you might prefer the term source code. A better way of doing it would be like, let me, so you want, I'll teach you a basic spell. And he goes, so wait, we're like reprogramming reality. It's like source code. And she's like, what did you do? does that make it easier for you and he's like yeah it does it's like it will only limit you you know you have to open your mind to these things don't try and fit them into what you already know 
because yeah. you'll, you'll you'll miss anything that can't fit you know so she's trying to get him to open his mind but she doesn't do it with flashiness all the time she's like she's getting him to open his mind so that becomes a stumbling block constantly within his uh in his teachings and what so that, what that would do as well is sort of liven up the relationship between the two bring in more conflict because um although all the dialogue is delivered incredibly well because it's yeah. Bandicoot, Crumbly Cake, and Tilda Swinton. Yes, um, she must not it be is, named. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is still very, very exposition heavy. Yes, and because the relationship between them is, by the way, here's all the rules of the rest yeah. of the film, and he's like, okay, how do I do that? She's like, yeah. here's how you do it. With this one, it's like, here's the rules, and he goes, okay, let me try and understand these rules in a, in a scientific materialistic concept, and she's like. How can it fit into a material concept if it's not material? Slap, you know that kind of stuff. So, so but the fun thing is that as he becomes the wizard, he's that dimension of his of his sort of skepticism still plays into his wizardry. Yeah, as he's doing the wizardry stuff. So in the in the film, the reason he can't do um, magic at the beginning is because he's inexperienced and he doesn't get it. But in this one, it's like, no, the reason you can't do it is because of you. You're the reason that's stopping him. When he does do something, he's like, okay, so basically I'm conjuring a wormhole and it works this way. And it's just like, he's hopeless. Because <laughs> like, Mo- Mordo would go up to H1 and say, he's hopeless. He, he won't open his mind to anything. She gives him that keyhole um, yes. idea, doesn't she? Yeah, she mentions the key. Yeah, she yeah, says, like, you're, you're trying, trying to look at the world through a keyhole. Yeah, and actually there's... the And you've been spending your whole life trying to open that keyhole. Well, actually, yeah. you... You know, she's giving him so much more than that. Yeah. I thought she was going to go with a door analogy. Yeah. But, um, I wonder if she was talking about keyhole surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the whole doctor <laughs> thing. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, but you could have you could have a lot of fun with it. Where every time Doctor Strange encounters something weird like that, he tries to work out how he goes like, how does that work? You know. Yeah. And. He just keeps being told, like, that's it doesn't matter how it works. What matters is that it works. He keeps trying to science it. He keeps trying, if he kept trying to science things, as it were, then you have a lot of fun with how he melds the two. I now realize how one atheist wizard is such a wonderful dimension. It's a really cool dimension. Yeah. And it, because he doesn't believe in the magic he's wielding. Yeah. Right? So it will be a lot of fun to really build that up. Yeah. But they don't. They kind of just mention it once in the scene, then it's gone. And I'm like, that's not how, that's not how that works. That psychology. That's not fair. Um, it's 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 much more nuanced and interesting than that. And it's not fair to just because it it basically like if that was the case, why doesn't she just go around showing everyone those things? Everyone would believe it. Hmm. Like that's the truth. People don't believe these things. Two people can encounter the exact same supernatural sort of situation. And one of them will be convinced. It does, like, you, they, they're so convinced it can't possibly be the thing. They don't even need an answer. They go, yeah, well, it wasn't that. It wasn't yeah. a ghost. It can be anything else. It wasn't a ghost. I was thinking about this. Like, if someone, if I had an experience like that happen to me, how would I convince people? How would I convince myself of it? Do you know what I mean? Then people would think you're crazy. People mm. who think they've been abducted by UFOs. And I was just thinking, like, it's really h- horrible when you think about it to be surrounded by those kind of skeptics when you're in that situation then you listen to them they're not stupid they didn't just believe it because it happened because they're gullible they th- they rationalized it too but they can't come up with another explanation it's the only one that makes sense and you weren't there and you're trying to come up with another explanation you know what i mean so it's not 
it's not black and white in the way that people like to think it is. Like evidence just tells you the truth. Like people ignore evidence, no matter what their predisposition is. So sometimes skeptical answers of things they don't actually encompass the situation. They don't explain the thing. They just dismiss the bits they can't explain and then explain the bits they can. So strange should be. If he's going to be in that way of thinking, it's a great way to generate conflict in the story of him learning. Because that makes him different to everyone else. Because the others are always... They're always believers in this situation. They come and they believe. Neo believes, you know, in the Matrix and so on. They always believe. Um, They reject it for a little bit, but that's it. But to have someone who has a deep-seated sense of arrogance of his own power and a sense of real strong materialism and all that kind of stuff, and then is thrown into this situation. Could you then have, um, I mean, expressing that through the rest of the story, in the fight scenes particular, uh, in particular, um, because he has this, I mean, he has a grasp of it because he is, um, I'm talking about um, uh, this version, this kind of tweaked version of the movie. Yeah. he has the grasp of um, magic because he is rationalizing it through science. He's saying, okay, so it's like a wormhole. Yeah. So he can still sling ring, but he's just not as competent at it. And yeah. like the spells, the weapon spells, he can still do it, but they're very, very limited. I know they're somewhat limited in the movie, but yeah. he still takes on... There's a real lack of imagination. There's a real lack of... Thank you. Real lack of imagination. And actually, doing. at the end of the movie, when he finally truly believes and he has yeah. that Neo moment... Yeah. Um, uh, and he lets go. Yeah, that's when suddenly his power is unlocked, and yeah. he can. And you could you could even make the thing of like what's what's um the way because of the way he's looking at it, it actually gives him a, an ability that the others don't have because you don't have to make it just a negative. Sure. Either, right. Yeah. 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 Because that's that's not fair either. So he can be quite clinical with the magic. What he can be, therefore, is he could be really good at working out what Cassilius's spells are doing. So he becomes really good at the foundations of how spells collect. He's like he's really good at t- sort of the taxonomy of spells. That right. is labeling them and understanding how they click together. Sure. So he looks at it in a mechanistic way. So it doesn't get him everything because the mechanistic ways don't necessarily work. He can't see it in some ways. But it does mean that there's certain things that he sees that other people don't yeah. see that gives him a little chance of it. And so um, and when he manages to combine the two or whatever or he dismisses one whatever he becomes the full wizard because obviously he, that dimension I don't think would work in a second film no because but now it he's... would be fun as a sort of handicap to him that you then turn into a sort of like a little yeah. payoff at the end that could be a kind of fun thing and this is just the tiniest tiniest tweak yeah, as well. it's just literally having him argue a bit more. Yeah, in the na- in 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 a philosophical way, as opposed to just like I can't do it, I can't do it, I yeah. can't do it. What um, about what about so atheist wizard? What about selfish hero? Because uh, I'd argue that of the three, that's yeah. probably the most realised. Okay, because um, yeah, I, the I, reason I, yeah, I know I it does feel like the most realised, but I'm going to explain to you why it's not. Uh, oh, I, I, okay. Can I let yeah, me go forward my argument? And you can just blow it out of the water like you normally mm. do mm. Um, 
<laughs> just that I've got a really good fix. <laughs> That's all I got. I'm sure you do. I'm Go, sure you do. I but like the, re- the, re- the reason he gets into it is to fix his hands. Yes. Um, and he's. It, but, uh, the reason I would say it is the most realised is because that's his crisis decision. It is. Is it use the powers to fix yourself and go live in life as a normal human? Yes. Selfish or, yeah, you, you know, greater good. Yeah. No, you're right. But my feeling is that is a great crisis. So let's see it. There's a bit where the ancient one says, "If I showed you everything that was lurking." behind here that wants to destroy this world you run in terror okay the sanctums get blown up he's separated remember from Mordo and Wong yes and he's like I can't do this fixes his hands cut to him on the news going I created my own medical thing oh, that I cures see, my hands see the choice. and he, he runs the away he shaves the goatee off everything and he becomes a rich, I love that famous you, I love that doctor. you equate the goatee as part of the... Yeah, he gets rid of the, everything. Like that's just, what makes him a wizard. Yeah, he gets rid of, he's back. He's back to where he was. The scars on his hands aren't even there. Everything's fine. He's back to him. Like, that, this seems like magic. And he's like, <laughs> well, I'm pretty amazing. You know? <laughs> and he just takes credit for it. He goes back to that whole thing. Right? Yeah. And he just runs away. Now he's, <laughs> he's selfish, right? <laughs> And then he decides to get Christine. Yeah. And he decides to live the life that so he, he has to before. give literally and he, give everything and he has up to give all that back up again. It's like, and why does he give everything back up? Right? What causes him to do that? Like how do you how, now that he's got everything he wants, how do you do that? And the way you do it, I was thinking, is when you have him go back into surgery. Remember at the beginning of the film he's playing music? Yeah. This isn't the surgery. And he's there and they, they play the music on it's all back to normal and he's like turn the music off the music he doesn't like you know he's used to studying yeah. like in silence turn the music off and he's moving his hands and as he's moving his hands you know the way you hold the, the things it's like with your index finger and your thumb yeah and as he's doing it he starts moving his fingers yeah like in a sort of like a spell like a spell and he's just going like and he's and he realises he's using this magic right and he's doing things in the surgery. And he's like, he's just constantly doing it. And then he remembers what he said to um, Rachel McAdams earlier in the film. It's like, what I'm doing will work for 100 years. People will remember the, my techniques for 100 years. If I go to ER, I'm helping one drunk guy with a gun. you yeah. know. And he's just looking at it and it's like, I'm helping one drunk guy with a gun. <laughs> he's just really rich you know he get he just sees right through what he's doing again and he's like he saves the guy or and he quits in the middle of surgery <laughs> <laughs> like Bee! what have you done strange um, and uh, he, you know, what he does is he calls the guy over that he insulted earlier and he says come watch and he teaches him and he starts teaching him how to do the surgery okay and so the guy's like you'll be good I have to do something like that and then he, he he quits as a doctor and goes back to being strange and he's like okay goes back to the Sanctum Sanctorium and things are worse because Cassilius is out of control and yeah. all that stuff it's been like a few months and he's like okay how do I how do well, I, I'm back I need to help and all that stuff and it's like okay and so Mordo lets him back in and is reticent about it and you know, I think that would be a really cool way to do that so you actually see it as opposed to because you're given the idea of yeah, that aren't you? Yeah, Through, when when Tilda Swinton yeah. does the because um, my think my thinking is the whole battle with Cassilius and Mordo and Wong is taking place in the mirror dimension. Okay, so 
on the surface because the idea is they've they've they keep they're finding all these battles but no one knows about it not even the avengers because it's all taking place in the mirror dimension right so strange is aware of the mirror dimension so on the surface for the next like three months there's this huge raging battle that you can cut to in the mirror dimension that's happening but Strange is kind of turning a blind eye to it. And so when he returns, it's like into the mirror dimension where it's just gone, everything's gone really horribly yeah. wrong and everything. So it just seems to me like you wouldn't, it, it, that crisis, his selfishness comes out in the story because he makes a selfish choice. Yeah. And then his heroism is all the greater because he gives up more than what he had before. Sure, sure. He's an even better doctor now. It gets, he's even more famous now. He's got uh, Rachel McAdams now. Again, it's like it's the idea. He does give that all up, but he gives up the idea of it as opposed to, yeah, literally giving it up. Mm. So it's more powerful if he gets all these things and then that's backtracks. What, and, that's right thing. And then um, yeah, so I, I think that would be a really great fix to see mm. him just do that because the, they kept talking about how famous he was, but we never saw it. I'm like, no, let's see. Let's have because they really quickly got into him having the car accident. Like this is a great way to go back and show you what kind of person he was. Yeah, um, and how much he's changed. Um, so I think that would be a great. And way. at that point, would give you insight into the character as opposed to putting it on the beginning of the movie where it would be just yeah. exposition. Yeah, and you know what he's, and also the idea that he's he's going into the mirror dimension that no one else can see to save the world shows you how selfless he has become. Sure. Because the fame aspect is what he's giving up as well as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it plays into all those elements that they want to talk about I of this character. Doctor Strange 2, he should become <laughs> franchise. Become franchise? Yeah. He sponsored I see. the cape. Actually, Wait. the cape wouldn't stand for a sponsorship, no, would it? No, Who doesn't stand? Hey. We okay. Uh, have you done the arrogant self-doubt one? No, that's the last one. Sure. Okay. Um, so this one is a bit more of a rewrite, um, but it kind of combines a lot of them. Um, so my thinking is, um, you really don't need Dormammu in the film. There's really no need for him. He's he's cool. He's great. But Cassilius is enough of a villain that you don't need Dormammu. Um, he he feels like a setup. He's more, at least he's more of a payoff than Thanos was. Yeah, this is why the, I like Dormammu, but I feel like you don't need him. You don't need to do him just yet. You can, but you don't need to. And I was thinking, what if Cassilius? So they they make a point in the film that magic is coming for, is using the energy of other dimensions. That's what magic is. Mm-hmm. So what if Cassilius is the reverse of this? He's taking magic from Earth. He's taking energy from Earth to do magic in other dimensions. Okay? And that's why our world hasn't got magic anymore. Before, it was a lot more magical, and now it's less magical. Right? Because Cassilius is draining it out of the universe. Yeah. Okay? So, the, you know, we have Thor, and that's about it. But otherwise, that magic is going. So he's draining out. And one of the ways that he gets sorcerers... Is that... Yes, because that's what they're going to use by from the, from the looks of the teaser at the end of the movie. That's what they're going to be doing at the in in number two. Uh, oh no, he seems like he's just killing off the sorcerers, Mordo. It doesn't. Oh seem no. Like... So okay, so this is the point I was trying to make yesterday, but mm. I couldn't quite find the words. I thought that would be an excellent thing for a villain would be taking magic away to make 
right, if nobody's got magic, yes, then uh, therefore everybody's equal. So they think they're doing a good thing, but yeah. actually it's... But it could be because Cassilius wants to, is ruling in another dimension by using all the magic in this world. Sure. Okay. However, but yeah, basically yeah. he's taking the magic. And one of the ways that he does this is he gets people to not believe in the ability to do magic. There's a lot of negatives in that sentence. Say it again. He gets people to not believe there's magic. Right. Okay. That's how he takes magic from sorcerers. He can drain it from the world, but everyone has these capacities, and he convinces people that they don't have these capacities to do things, that it's, the world is mundane, that these things don't exist. And so now, what? how is he going to get Strange? How is he going to beat Strange? Well, he's convincing Strange. Strange, don't you understand? It's just wormholes. It's just this kind of stuff. And so Strange, he starts playing into... He plays like the devil. He plays into Strange's arrogance. He says, you're better than this. You understand this better than them. And all that stuff. So he starts yeah. playing into his arrogance and his self-doubt. Saying, but you don't understand it. You're weak and so on. So when Strange has to beat Cassilius, he has to beat the fact that he also doesn't... That he has to beat what he's thinking inside himself, which is all this arrogance. He has to get all of that out. Because his arrogance is what Cassilius is using to stop him from accessing magic. So, uh, Strange is like, you know, Cassilius is saying to him, like, look, why don't we do this dark dimension thing, whatever? Why don't we do this? We have eternal life. Why don't we show? You're a doctor. Wouldn't you like to know the secrets of eternal life? Wouldn't you like to know? He goes, yeah. So you could be in charge of this thing. So he's tempting him with greatness. Yeah. Uh, and so Strange is like, yeah, I will do that. So you have these moments where Strange, wait for it, teams up with Cassilius. Because he thinks he knows better than the Ancient One. And, and like, that's arrogance. There it is right there. He does the Cassilius thing. There's a whole thing in the story where they're worried Strange can become another Cassilius. Let him. Yeah. Let him do it. Let Cassilius tempt him. Would that work in tandem with the going back as a... This, these, aren't, these aren't supposed to be fixes that all work together. These are just, I'm trying to express one dimension at a time. I'm not rewriting the I think you've undermined your entire point. No, I th I really think I've strengthened it. <laughs> uh, because there's multiple ways you could do it. Yes. Is my point. But th th I'm just saying, like, you could... Like, for example, the other element that we want to talk about um, which we'll talk about in the next podcast yeah part two um, that one uh, that would it's a completely different type of rewrite yeah of course, so the of good course. thing here is like there's loads of ways to fix the same thing there's so many options that are available what, all I'm trying to express here is that if you have a scene where Doctor Strange chooses to go back to his life and take advantage of his magic you express that he's selfish and therefore when he goes back to being a hero you express he's a hero a if question. you have a scene where he's uh, refusing to learn something because it doesn't fit his um, ideology that's expressing his atheism and so therefore when he does become a wizard it expresses more of his wizardliness if you have a scene where he does side with Cassilius over something that shows his arrogance and uh, if you have a scene where he doesn't know what to do then it shows his self-doubt and so on I have a question yes. do you think Strange needs three dimensions? no also, I now realise the link between the fact it's a character dimension podcast about Doctor Strange yeah. who's a wizard yeah. in different dimensions no? yeah okay yeah yeah. <laughs> Doctor Strange and his, yeah. and his dimensions yep. the multi-dimensional Doctor Strange uh, yeah 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 <laughs> Well, multi-dimensional dimensions of Doctor Strange yeah, exactly okay, right um, yeah, do, dimensions. Does, do you think he needs three? Oh, well he clearly needs just the dark dimension oh jeez <laughs> 
and the mirror dimension. And the mirror and, uh, dimension. So yes, he needs three. There's um, so many dimensions in this story. <laughs> like they've over, they've over, they've done too many dimensions. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't think he needs three. I think three's too many. I don't think he needs three. I think the uh, the ar- the uh, the um. I think you could combine them a bit as well. I mean, could I say have... how many does he have? I mean, uh, look at that's not how I would look at it. I wouldn't I wouldn't write the story and then say three's too many. Let's cut one. Well, do you know what I mean? My point... I I would sit there and go like I could how... tell you, I could tell you yeah. where my point is coming from. Um, yeah, it's because when you said okay, here's how we better express this dimension that's in yes. the movie and once you do that three times so these dimensions are all in the movie but they're not fully expressed Yes. as soon as you start to fully express them it takes a lot more room in the story You're if quite you right. do that three times then all of a sudden they don't live together well, already and in all, obviously in the three ones I've shown like they couldn't all coexist exactly so yeah you're quite right but just because I haven't said how to bring in the arrogant self-doubt into the other two necessarily doesn't mean you couldn't doesn't mean you couldn't sure doesn't mean you should fight against it yeah it just means that it might be just a little tougher you might have to work out how to balance them more effectively what this is now what we're now free falling towards I guess is um, what we take for our own writing it's the kind of less the lesson we learn from that Um, and just for me based on what you've just said um, or what we've just discussed um it's more like um, when, by the time you fully actualize a dimension, you start to realize just how few you do need yeah. for the, it's particularly for action stories. Right, and you'll notice when I'm saying like he make when I'm saying like here's the dimension being actualized, it has a knock-on effect to the next event. Yes, there's progression, right? Yeah. So, but you'll notice when I was talking about the dimensions as they are in the film, there's no progression. No. He does this scene. That's it. This scene says he, he acts this way and then that's it. It doesn't have an effect on the story. Whereas what I'm saying, like he makes the choice to go back to his old life. Immediately, you have to now work out how do I get him back into being Doctor Strange? Mm. And now when he gets back into being Doctor Strange, that's coloured that thing. So the choices have an effect. So it, there's a sort of like a rippling effect of these dimensions. Similarly, when I say he storms out of um, uh, the Ancient One's place out of a disgust with his scepticism to get him back into that scene and get him learning again you can't just throw it away now all of a sudden all the training scenes are colored by that one decision because they're all pe- paying off that one element do you think you see, yeah so, yeah yeah but, same with the Cassilius thing if he chooses to side with Cassilius out of arrogance because he understands better because you know? I'm wondering if they've kind of dodged a bullet here um, because it's an origin story um, and, and origin movies typically are sort of roughly split in half. Generally, yes. the first hour is, okay, we're going to create the hero. Yes. And so the um, the villain doesn't come in, like yes. the the inciting incident for the action story doesn't come in, or it doesn't become aware of the villain's plan until much, yeah. much later in the movie. Because they've got less time to fill... Um, do you think that's how you can kind of get away or how Strange slightly gets away with it the fact that these are all great scenes but there's sort of less of them because it's less because it's in the second hour of the movie as opposed to trying to cover a full two hours do you know what I mean? No Okay so in Ghost Protocol um, uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol Yeah the inciting incident comes... It is about half an hour, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so that's they become aware of the plan, and every step after that is linked. Yeah, yeah. You know, next bit to next bit to next yeah. bit, and it gets spirals, and it gets worse yeah. and worse and worse. Um, whereas in Strange, because that 
because that inciting incident comes much, much later, yes. Strange doesn't become aware of Cassilius and they don't face off until in the, is it London office? I think that's right. And it's, it's no, gone, New York office. New York office. Yeah. It's it's easily an hour into the movie. Yeah. It, it's, it, it Good felt, halfway. Yeah, it felt yeah. about halfway. They've therefore only got half of the movie left yes. to have between Strange and, and Cassilius. Yes. And so... My argument, I guess, if I do have one at all, mm. is that it sort of papers over those cracks, or rather, the lack of it does, but a then, link between those scenes. It does, but then why have it that way at all? Why not bring Cassilius in really early on? Well, I'm not arguing against that. I'm I, just saying what I'm. Yeah, I'm trying to understand like for example, why. One of, the, one of the things I was thinking of was because they mentioned Stephen Strange in Captain America too. Yes. Uh, offhandedly, and I w- and he's got this time gem, and I was like, why not open it with Strange, already the Sorcerer Supreme, he's already Doctor Strange, and have the time gem be a mechanic that you allow him to go back into it, back and forth through time, so you see how he become became Doctor Strange, um, and then really use the time gem in that way. But that's I suppose another topic. Yeah. But it it seems to me like what you're suggesting is you know this is a way to solve that problem and I'm no like, no no I'm not I'm not trying to solve a problem yeah. no it's more that I think that's how uh, they yeah I think that's how they solved the problem of yeah. the scenes not linking because they all came quite quickly and jammed that's in true. the second half that's of the movie tr- that's true but that's, I I find like that's the, that's the problem I have with origin films in general which is that they are this sort of like the two films. There's the them yeah. learning, and then the, there's their fighting. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I much prefer the sort of Matrix version of this, where Agent Smith is after Neo from the very beginning. So oh, it just yeah. all plays right yeah, perfectly into it. Like I was about to ask you if you know a new movie that did that origin in yeah, a different way. The Matrix and, yeah, is Matrix. really great. Like by making Neo the MacGuffin, um, he's s- directly involved in the story from the get go, and so he's constantly the the origin stuff isn't getting in the way of anything. Yeah. Whereas it, it, with most things, like you have, like, I, I, mean, I think maybe one of the most obvious ones is the Amazing Spider-Man, which has this amazing origin sequence and then kind of an okay fight with the lizard. Like they're two very different films. Oh, they sure. Don't Sorry, really, the Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, and they don't really link that well. Um, that neither. I, I really like the Amazing. I Spider-Man. loved Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. but I think the origin in Amazing Spider-Man is just so good. And I just don't see the reason for the lizard in the film. You know, once <laughs> once the lizard gets into the film, I'm like, I, I'm kind of okay. I don't need to see any more. Yeah. And not because the lizard stuff is bad. It's just um, the uh, the origin stuff is great. Okay. And there's this sense of like, there's a gear shift into the film, and it's just like, this isn't um, this isn't what the rest of the film was. So okay. most origin let's, stories are like. Let, let's swing this back around then and, and wrap it up. Um, yeah. What what. What do we learn from this? I was going to summarise, but actually we've stayed... I would say <laughs> we stayed on topic. We haven't. But we have only talked about one thing, which is character yes. dimensions uh, in relation to, um, to yes. Doctor Strange. So what what do, what do we learn? Well, well, my feeling is that, um, y- you know, character... Uh, as I made the point in the other two podcasts, uh, dimension and plot are linked. And to get the most out of your character, the plot has to express their dimensions. And to get the most out of your plot, you've got to have a character that's specific to that plot. They're not separate things. And so having uh, a character with one dimension, like Columbo, and generating the entire story out of that one dimension is far more satisfying than a character with three dimensions 
whose dimensions aren't fully expressed through the nature of the story, whose dimensions don't have effects on the, the choice of event, that the choice of event is pretty much generic in that sense. So character dimension is what makes a story specific. And when you make a story specific, it has the chance to be something that people have never seen before and really heightened it. And with Doctor Strange, it looks great. Uh, you, there's lots of things you haven't really seen in that film um, before, but those things aren't to do with the character. And so you have a problem which is Doctor Strange is really Benedict Cumberbatch. He's not really a character. He's just Cumberbatch. Hopefully, they'll, they'll, that'll get fixed in the second one, but it's just it, what stops it from being, say, Iron Man 3 or Guardians of the Galaxy. Sure. That's what stops it from reaching that level because he has dimensions, he has a good plot, it's well done, but they're not linked. It's they're so close as it's, well. Yeah, it's not, it's not unified. Do you think we've fully expressed our dimension in this podcast? <sighs> Professional and unprofessional? I'm going to try and edit out <laughs> everything. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.